0: Act One of Bacchides, or The Twin Sisters, by Titus Machius Plautus. Translated by Henry Thomas Riley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae
1: Silenus, the Divinity. Who speaks the prologue? Read by Todd. Nicobulus, an aged citizen of Athens, read by Adrian Stevens.
0: Micyllicus, his son, read
1: by Greg Giordano. Philoxenus, another aged citizen of Athens,
2: read by Alan Mapstone. Pistoclerus. His Son, read by Mike Manilakis.
3: Lydus, servant of Philoxenus and tutor of Pistoclerus, read by Vocal Penguin.
1: Chrysalis, servant of Nicobalus, read by Jim Locke.
3: Cleomachus, a captain of Samos, read by Rob Marland.
1: A Parasite of Cleomachus, read by Todd. Servant of Pistoclerus, read by Alan Mapstone.
4: First Bacchus, twin sister, courtesan,
5: read by Abaii. Second Bacchus, twin sister, courtesan, read by Sonia.
0: Stage Directions, read by Tchaikovsky. Scene. Athens, before the houses of the first Bacchus and Philoxenus which are in the same street. The Prologue, spoken by Silinus, mounted on his ass.
1: Tis a wonder if the spectators on the benches this day don't hiss and cough, and make a snorting noise at this ridiculous sight, furrow their brows, and with cries with one consent, shout all aloud and mutter imprecations. Hardly in their youth can beardless actors, or mimics with their beards plucked out, find room upon the stage. Why comes forth this aged and lethargic go-between, who is born upon the ass's back? Listen, I pray, and give me your attention, while I tell you the name of this quiet comedy. Tis proper for you to make silence for a divinity. It befits not those to use the resources of the voice who come here not to exclaim, but to be spectators. Give me attentive ears, but not into my hands, I mean. I wish my voice as it flies, to strike these vacant ears. What do you fear? Are those blows more hurtful which open what is shut, or which close what is open? You're very kind. The inhabitants of heaven do love you deservedly. There is profound silence. Even the children are still. And now, Attend to a new-come messenger on a new errand. Who I am, why I am come to you, I'll tell you in a few words. At the same time, I'll disclose to you the name of this comedy. Now, behold, I shall tell you what you wish to know. Do you then give me your attention? I am a god of nature, the foster father of most mighty Bromius, he who with a female army gained a kingdom. Whatever about him renowned nations relate, some part, at least, has been accomplished by my advice. That which pleases me is never displeasing to him is right if one father another father does obey. born, do the Ionian multitude style me, because I am born on an ass for my conveyance. Who I am, you understand. If you understand, allow me now to tell the name of this quiet play. At the same time, you may learn why I have come to you. Philemon, formerly produced a play in Greek. This, those who speak the Greek language call Eventides. Plautus, who speaks the Latin, calls it Bacchides. Tis not to be wondered, then, if hither I have come. Bacchus sends to you the Bacchides, the Bacchanalian Bacchanals. I am bringing them unto you. What? Have I told a lie? It don't become a god to tell a lie. But the truth I tell, I bring not them. But the salacious ass, wearied with its journey, is bringing to you three, if I remember right. One you behold. See now what on my lips I bring, to wit, two. Simeon sisters, Bacchanalians, merry courtesans, born of the same parents at one time, at a twin birth, no less alike than milk to milk, if you compare it, or water to water. Were you to see them, you would think them halved. So much would you confuse your sight that you would not be able to distinguish which was which. What remains you long to hear. Now give attention. The story of this play I will disclose. What country Samos is, is known to all. For seas, lands, mountains, and islands have your legions made easy of access. There Solstrata bore to her husband, Virgotelis Pyrocles, twin daughters at one birth, and it pleased them, being initiated at the triennial festival of Bacchus, to call after his name the damsels of which they were the parents. The parents, as often happens, gave a turn to their future fortunes. A captain carried one of them with him to Crete. The other of the twins, sailed for athens as soon as nesilicus the son of Nicobalus, beheld her he began to love her and frequently paid her visits meantime his father sent the youth to ephesus to bring back thence some gold which he himself some time before had deposited with archidimedes an ancient friend of his an aged Phoenician, when, for two years he had stayed at Ephesus, he received the sad news that Bacchus was gone from Athens, for some sailors of his acquaintance sent him word that she had set sail. On this he writes a letter to Pistoclarus, his only friend, the son of Philoxenus, entreating him to seek the fugitive with care and earnestness. While Pistoclerus is devoting his services to his friend, the twin sisters, who have just returned to Athens, arouse a passion in the seeker. The one wins Pistoclerus for herself. The other longs for the coming of Nisilicus. What wonder if two bewitching, merry, pretty Bacchanats should attract themselves to unfledged Bacchanalians, and if they should ensnare their decrepit, most aged fathers, fit subjects for the undertaker, bowed down by the weight of their years? But see, there's Pistoclerus, who was returning to the Bacchanides so lately found— and in his simplicity is blowing in himself the sparks of passion so lately kindled. Now I'm off. Do you attend? Exit.
0: Act the First. Scene 1. Enter Pistoclerus.
2: Those who are of a thrifty turn of mind, modest and without servility, chains, rods, and mills, Their shocking brutality becomes worse. She who keeps my friend and me engaged.
0: Exit. Enter first Bacchus.
4: I have heard that Ulysses underwent toils innumerable, who, in wanderings, was twenty years away from his native land. But this young man by far outdoes Ulysses, who here in this spot is wandering within the walls of the city. She was of the same name with myself. Sweep out the house with brooms, work briskly. Will someone call that most dirty fellow with the water-pail and the water?
0: Cleomachus, Second Bacchus
3: But if a life of wantonness is perchance preferred by you, consider the price that I agreed to give you that at that age you might not be following me for naught, that from no one else you might be receiving a yearly pay except from oneself nor be toying with any man like slugs upon a man
0: pistoclerus second bacchus servant
2: as like as milk is to milk whatever is her name
1: the soldier who sells his life for gold I know that his breath is much stronger than when the bellows of bull's hide are blowing, when the rocks
2: melt where the iron is made. Of what country did he seem to you?
1: I think he is of Preneste. He was such a boaster.
2: The city. And I don't think it's in spurious boastfulness.
0: Scene 2. Enter 1st and 2nd Bacchus.
4: My heart, my hope, my honey, my sweetness, my nutriment, my delight. Let me bestow on you my love, the Arabian. Has Cupid or has love overpowered you? Perhaps to suspect that you are in love. Get money from that quarter, for I really do believe that with ease you can enchant the heart of any man. And suppose it is much better that you should hold your peace, and I should speak? With pleasure. You may proceed.
5: When my memory shall fail me, then do you take care to aid me, sister? Faith, I'm more afraid that I shan't have the choice of prompting you. Troth, I'm afraid the little nightingale may lose
4: her powers of song. Follow this way.
0: They move.
2: Enter. What are these two courtesans, uh, the namesake sisters, about?
4: Nothing is there more wretched than a woman.
2: What, say you, is there more worthy of it? What have you been planning in your consultation?
4: What's proper?
2: If faith, that doesn't belong to the courtesan.
4: This sister of mine entreats me so to find some person to protect her against this captain, That when she has served her time, he may bring her back home. Do you, I entreat you, be her protector?
2: Why should I protect her?
4: That she may be brought home again when she has fulfilled her engagement to him, so that he may not take her as a servant for himself. But if she had the gold to pay him back again, gladly would she do so.
2: Where now is this person?
4: I expect that he'll be here just now, but this you'll be able to arrange better among ourselves, and sitting there you shall wait until he comes. So you will drink some wine, and so I'll give you a kiss when you have drunk it.
2: Your coaxing is mere birdlime. How so? Because, in fact, I understand how you two are aiming at one poor pigeon myself.
0: Aside
2: Very nearly is the limed reed breaking my feathers. Madam, I judge that such deeds befit me not.
4: Why so, I pray?
2: Bacchus, it is, because I dread you bacchantes and your bacchanalian den.
4: What is it that you dread? Surely not that the couch in my house may lead you into mischief.
2: Your allurements more than your couch do I dread. You're a mischievous serpent. But, madam, a lurking place does not befit this youthful age.
4: Should you wish at my house to do anything that's unwise, I myself should hinder it. But when the captain comes, I wish you to be at my house for this reason, because when you are present, no one will do her and me any injury. You will prevent that, and by the same means you will be aiding your friend." This captain, too, on arriving, will suspect that I am your mistress. Why are you silent, pray?
2: Because these things are pleasant in the talking of, but in the practice, and when you make trial, the same are armed with stings. They pierce the feelings, goad one's fortune, and wound one's merits and character.
5: What do you dread from her?
2: What do I dread, do you ask? Am I a person, in my youth, to enter a place of exercise of such nature, where people sweat to their undoing? Where, for the coit, I re a lost disgrace, too, for my running.
5: How charmingly you do talk.
2: Where I'm to take a turtle dove instead of a sword, and where another puts into my hand the goblet instead of the cestus. The drinking cup is in place of the helmet, the wreathed garland instead of the crest, the dice in place of the lance. For the coat of mail, I should have to assume a soft cloak. whereto, in place of a horse, a couch must be given me? For shield, a strumpet may be lying by me. A vaunt from me. A vaunt! Oh, you're too fierce. I am attending to my own interests.
5: You must be softened down. And, in fact, I offer you my aid in this.
2: But you are too expensive an assistant.
5: Do pretend that you are in love with me.
2: Whether should I be pretending that in jest or seriously?
4: Well said. Better to do the last. When the captain comes here, I want you to embrace me.
2: What need is there of my doing that?
4: I want him to see you. I know what I'm about.
2: And I, Faith, I know not what I'm in fear of. But what say you?
4: What's the matter now?
2: Well, suppose, perchance, on a sudden, a breakfast or a drinking bout or else a dinner should take place at your house, just as is the wont in such places of resort. Where, then, should I take my place?
4: Near myself, my life, that with a she-wit a he-wit may be reclining at the repast. A place here at our house, should you come late, is always at your service." When you wish right merrily to disport yourself, my rosebud, you say to me, Do let me enjoy myself to-day. I'll provide you a delightful place where it may be so.
2: Here is a rapid stream. Not without hazard can this way be passed.
4: First Bacchus, aside. And by my troth something must you rose amid this stream. Give me your hand and follow me.
2: Oh, by no means. Why so? Because to a man in his youth nothing can be more alluring than these. Night, women, wine.
4: Away then with you. For my part I don't at all care for it, but for your own sake. The captain then shall take her off. Don't you be present at all if you don't choose.
0: Pistoclerus to himself.
2: And am I a thing of nothing who cannot moderate my own passions?
4: What's there for you to fear? There's nothing,
2: all nonsense. Madam, I resign myself to you. I'm yours. To you do I devote my services.
4: You are a dear man. Now I wish you to do this. Today I want to give a welcome entertainment to my sister. For that purpose, I shall at once order the money to be brought you from indoors. Do you take care and cater for us a splendid entertainment?
2: No, I'll stay and treat for it would be a shame that on my account you both should take trouble for me, and by reason of that trouble should pay the expense from your own means.
4: But I can't allow you to give anything. Do let me. Well, I'll let you, if you choose. Prithee,
5: do make haste.
2: I shall be here again before I cease to love you. Exit Pistoclerus.
5: (laughs) You entertain me pleasantly upon my return, my sister. How so, Prithee? Because, in my way of thinking, this day a lucky haul has fallen to your lot. He's mine, assuredly. Now,
4: sister, with respect to Nesilochus, I'll give you my aid, that here at home you may be receiving gold, rather than be going hence together with the captain.
5: That's my desire.
4: My aid shall be given you. The water's warm. Let's go in that you may bathe, for as you have travelled on board ship you are faint, I think.
5: A little so, sister.
0: Pistoclerus is seen at a distance.
5: Besides, he is beginning to cause I don't know what bustle. Let's be gone, hence. Follow me this way indoors
4: to bathe, that you may relieve your weariness.
0: Scene 3 Enter Pistoclerus, accompanied by people with provisions for the entertainment, followed by Lydus.
3: For some time, Pistoclerus, I've been following you in silence. Watching what you were doing in this dress, for so may the gods favour me, even Lycurgus himself seems to me as though he could be led into debauchery here. Whither are you now betaking yourself hence in an opposite direction with such a
2: train? To this place.
0: Pointing to the house.
2: Why to this place? Who lives there? Love, pleasure, Venus, beauty, joy, jesting, dalliance, converse, and sweet-kissing.
3: What intercourse have you with these most destructive deities?
2: Bad are those men who speak evil of the good. You speak not well of even the gods themselves. You do what is not right.
3: Is sweet-kissing, then, some
2: god? And do you not think she is? O oh, Lytus, why, what a barbarian you are, you, whom I had deemed to be far more wise than Thales himself. Go to, you are more foolish than Potitius, the foreigner, who at an age so advanced knew not the names of the divinities. This dress of yours pleases me not. But no one prepared it for you, it was prepared for myself, whom it pleases well.
3: And you commence upon your repartees against myself even, you, who if you had even ten tongues ought to be silent.
2: Not every age, Lydus is suited for school. One thing especially is just now on my mind. How the cook may, with due care, attend to these things as befits the elegance of the entertainment.
3: Now you have undone yourself, and me, and all my labors. Me who so oft have shown you what is right, all to no purpose.
2: In the same place have I lost my labor where you've lost yours. Your instructions profit neither me nor yourself. O obdurate heart. You are troublesome to me. Hold your tongue, Lydus, and follow me.
3: Now see that, please. He no longer calls me tutor,
2: but mere Lydus. It seems not proper, nor can it be fit, that when a person is in a house, and is reclining at the feast, together with his mistress, and is kissing her, and the other guests are reclining too, the tutor should be there too in their presence.
3: Are these provisions purchased for such a purpose, pray?
2: My intentions indeed expect so. How it falls out is in the hands of the gods.
3: Will you be having a mistress? When you see, then you'll know. Ay, but you shall not have one, and I won't allow it. Go back again home.
2: Do leave me alone, Lydus, and beware of mischief.
3: What? Beware of mischief? Oh, yawning gulf, where art thou now? How gladly would I avail myself of thee. Already have I lived far longer than I could have wished. For much better now to have once existed than to be living still, that any pupil should thus threaten his tutor.
2: My years are now advanced beyond your tutorship.
3: I want no pupils for me with heated blood. An upgrown one may
2: harass me thus devoid of strength. As I guess, I shall become a Hercules, and you a Linus.
3: If faith, I fear more that through your goings on I shall become a phoenix, and have to tell the news to your father that you are dead.
2: Enough of these stories.
3: This youth is lost to shame. The man's ruined. And does it then recur to you that you have a father?
2: Am I your servant, or you mine?
3: By my troth, you made an exchange not desirable for that age of yours when you gained these impudent ways. Some bad master has been teaching you all this, not I. You are a scholar far more apt at these pursuits than at those lessons which I taught you when I was losing my labor. Troth, twas a bad piece of deceit you were guilty of at your age when you concealed these vicious tendencies from myself and from your father.
2: Let us, you have thus far had liberty of speech, that is enough. So now do you follow this way and hold your tongue.
0: They go into the house of Bacchus. End of Act One.